you'll see uh, that God responds to that in a really, really neat way. So, Michael, thank you so much for that. I, I want to do something else real quick, too. Last, uh, Jay and Tracy, won't y'all come up here real quick? Bring that picture with you, too. Last, last year at this time, the first Sunday in November, uh, by the way, today is called Orphan Sunday. Today has been designated Orphan Sunday. Last year on Orphan Sunday, we had an opportunity to dedicate the baby of Nick and Katie Peterman, beautiful baby girl that they adopted from China. And um, this year on Orphan Sunday, we have learned that this past week, Jay and Tracy were um, contacted and told that they have been matched with the beautiful baby girl from China. And uh, they were sent a picture of the beautiful baby girl and uh, we are so very, very, very excited and happy for you guys. And I think it's significant that uh, their testimony is this. It's not so much that they were interested in expanding their family. It's that they were interested in their being one less orphan in the world. And a lot of y'all have partnered with them and... Um, I'm so grateful for you guys and your heart and your testimony. We love you. We partner with you. We're praying for you. We encourage you. Church family, give them a round of applause. I wanted to be sure to mention that. Thank you all so much. I, um, I wanted to mention to you all as well, it's been a very unusual week this past week, different. Um, a week ago today, there was a young lady in our community named Jennifer who's two months shy of her 13th birthday that uh, went home to be with the Lord. And uh, it was a tragedy. And um, because of the love that was expressed by a couple of the ladies in our church, Ellen Nichols and Kelly Ballard, um, our church had an opportunity to be involved in the process that followed Jennifer's home going. And on Thursday, we had a memorial service for Jennifer here in this auditorium. And I wanted to tell you this. You would have been so very proud of Pastor Jim and Pastor William and the way that they conducted that memorial service. And um, I, I needed to mention that to y'all and thank Pastor Jim for going far above and beyond the call of duty uh, to minister. Now listen, folks. You hear me say every Sunday, impact our community for Christ. Impact our community for Christ. Impact our community for Christ. You take a couple of ladies like Ellen and Kelly. That's what it looks like that they would go to this home to minister to this mother, to tell her that they love her, to tell her they're available, to ask how we can help. That's what impacting our community looks like. If you have to put an image in your head to the words, impact our community, impact our community, impact our community, put that image in your head. 
That's why God has us here on purpose by his design to be used by him to impact this community for his glory. And I praise God that we were able to do that in a small way this past week. The homegoing of little Jennifer is a way for me to segue into giving you an opportunity to minister to the youth of this church. God's timing is always perfect. It was a couple of months ago that uh, Arthur, who's our youth pastor, and his team of leaders uh, determined that they wanted to invite our church family to lift up our youth in prayer. What a great, great idea. So we are designating this Sunday and this month, really, as an Adopt-A-Student Month. And in the lobby this morning, when you exit, you're going to see a table that is full of cards that look like this. They have a picture of our student, of one of our students, on the card. And we're asking every family in our church to take one of these home with them today and to make a commitment to this student that you will pray for them every single day this month. We're even helping you out by putting a prayer on the back of the card. The prayer is directly from Scripture. Lord, may these young people take hold of the deep truths of faith so that the enemy won't be able to deceive or outwit them. Sanctify them by your truth when they are exposed to teachings and lifestyles and activities that do not conform with your word. May they stand firm in the truth taking captive every thought, may they live in obedience to Christ. I'll remind you again at the end of the service uh, of this opportunity that you have, and I encourage you to be sure and grab one of these. I don't think uh, I need to tell you that uh, the young people in our middle schools and high schools today uh, are facing challenges that most of us as adults never faced when we were that age and in that stage of life. Uh, there's more uh, hatred. There is more resistance to truth. Uh, there is a less value for life than there's ever been. And um, we've got to stand with them. And we have to encourage them. And we have to pray for them. And uh, so this is being extremely intentional about what we can do to support and encourage and walk alongside uh, our youth. Now, the video that you just watched is also a picture of what so many of us in life or how so many of us in life respond to God when he speaks to us whatever. God opens up his heart to us and he says, I love you. And though it's not our words, it's our actions that say whatever. And he says, I want you to be with me and I want to lead you down the right path, my direction, my pace. I want you to know me. I want to use you. I want my best for you. 
And sometimes our response, again, not verbally, because we would never say this to God, but we live out a life that says, whatever. There are so many examples that can be used. Ellen and Kelly, when the Holy Spirit prompted them to go and minister, could have responded, whatever. When the Holy Spirit nudged Michael Higgins to come and share from his heart his personal testimony and God's involvement and God's response to his obedience and his family's obedience could have responded by saying, whatever. The reality is that God wants his best for you. Did you know this is an amazing thought to me because it seems like we just started 2014, but 59 days from today, we begin 2015. Today is November the 2nd. In two months, we'll have a new year on our hands. I believe you can start today to make 2015 the greatest year of your life, the most fulfilling year of your life. How? Following Jesus. Heard that before? Becoming a disciple of Jesus. The series that we're going to embark on over these next three or four weeks really is an extension of our love series. In our love series, we were challenged greatly and So much of our time was spent describing love as Jesus describes it and God describes it in his scriptures. And love is patient and love is kind and love doesn't keep any uh, lists of wrongdoings. And and we are to love God with all of our heart and it's just as important that we love other people as well. And and, and we didn't spend enough time on, on, on saying how does that, how do we do that, this impossible calling, this impossible task that we have been given as believers, as Christians, to love those who are so hard to love, who lo- to love those who don't love us, to love others the way Jesus loves us. How do we do that? Well, this, this series is going to help us with that. It's going to empower us to be able to do what God has called us to do. It all starts with following Jesus. It all starts with being a disciple. When Jesus was 30 years old, he started his public ministry. And the first thing that he did was he went and he found a group of people that he would call his disciples. People that he could pour his life into. People that he could train. Many times... Many times in the gospel accounts, in Jesus' earthly ministry, we see Jesus inviting people to be his disciples. One scripture that I, that I chose to use this morning, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9, Jesus sees Matthew sitting at his tax collector booth, and he says to Matthew, come and follow me. Matthew got up and followed Jesus. Another version of of that passage of Scripture, Jesus sees Matthew sitting at the tax collector booth, and he says to Matthew, I want you to come and be my disciple. And Matthew got up and followed Jesus. Now here's the point. This is the 
invitation that Jesus extends to you today. Every single individual in this room, Jesus says to you, come and be my disciple. Come and follow me. In your mind, I I want you to think your name. Dale, Jesus calls me to be his disciple. Because we have this tendency to, 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 to receive what God has for us today collectively, corporately, generally. But he's calling you by name. Matthew, come and follow me. He calls you by name today. So what is a disciple? Well, I don't want to get too technical with you. And in the Greek, the word disciple comes from the word mathetes. In the Latin, it's discipulus. Its definition is very clear. It's very straightforward. It means learner or student or follower or apprentice. One who follows, one who learns from, one who is being trained by. The Bible uses the word disciple four different ways. The very first way is in a very general way. Anybody who is being trained by anyone else is a disciple. Joshua was Moses' disciple. Elisha was Elijah's disciple. John the Baptist had disciples. Paul had disciples. Timothy's the one we're familiar with, but Paul lists six other men in the scriptures. He calls them by name of people that were his disciples. A disciple is anyone being mentored by someone. A second way that it's used is it's just a general term for the twelve that Jesus chose to come and follow him and be trained by him. We know them as the disciples. A third way it's used is as a synonym for Christian. In the early days of the church, they weren't thought of as Christians. They were thought of as disciples. It wasn't until the the church was dispersed out of Jerusalem, a little church in Antioch, northwest of Jerusalem, where they became known as Christians. And the fourth way is the way Jesus uses the term. He goes deeper into his definition. He injects new meaning into his definition. Ten times in the gospel accounts, we see Jesus using words like this. If you do this, you will be my disciple. Over these next few weeks, we want to take a look at those. Jesus' definition of disciple. If you do this, you will be my disciple. The first one that I wanted to look at is this. If I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, and he invites me to do that today, he invites you to do that today, then number one, I must spend time with Jesus. I must spend time with him. I must spend a lot of time with him. I must spend all my time with him. Like in any relationship, the more time you invest, the more you're going to get out of the more you're going to get out of the relationship. Listen. You can't be a part-time disciple. A part-time disciple is no disciple at all. It's not something that you fit into your schedule. 
If I'm being trained by somebody, if I'm being mentored by somebody, then I fit myself into their schedule. It's not the other way around. You can't be a disciple just a few minutes a day. I would love for us to be able to get this. I would love for us to be able to embrace this. To be a disciple, you have to be in constant conversation with the discipler. It's a, it's a full-time responsibility. You're with your trainer. You're with your mentor. You're with your teacher all of the time. In John chapter 12 and verse 26, here's what Jesus says. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. A, a different version says this. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you must come and follow me. Because my servant must be where I am. We must be where he is. I, I guess it's probably almost every Sunday that I say, praise the Lord, Jesus is here. He's in our midst. He's here to minister. He's here because He loves you. And that's an important part of our spiritual journey and our spiritual experience and our experience of worship on Sunday morning. But here's what I want to tell you. It's not more important than you being where He's at. There's a difference in Him being where you're at. And He says, I'll always be with you. But it's a greater value in our life to be where he is at. In this verse, John chapter 12 and verse 26, I, I see some things here that have great value to us today. The, the first thing is this. Spiritual growth, discipleship, is a choice. You know this. God's not going to force you to grow. He's not going to force you to be his follower. He's not going to force you to be a disciple. It's significant that in this passage of Scripture, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you must make the choice to grow. If you don't, make the choice to grow, at the end of 2015, you'll be at the same place spiritually that you are today. Or you won't be as close to God as you are today. Unless you make that choice to grow. It's not automatic. It doesn't come from an hour on Sunday morning. It doesn't even come from 15 minutes of quiet time every single day. We've got to learn to be where he is. We've got to learn to follow him. We've got to learn to be with him. It's got to be intentional. You can, you can grow old and not grow up. You know that's true too. Not about you, about people you know. Not about me, about people I know. We can tend 
attend services and even get a ribbon or a pin that says we never missed a service. And we can be a Christian for many, many years and not mature spiritually. That God would fill this room with believers who are growing, constantly growing in their relationship with Him and their understanding of Him. You're as close to God as you choose to be. I've told you this before. I, I can remember vividly my mom saying to me, Dale, if you're not as close to God as you used to be, make no mistake about who did the moving. Which means I need to be where he is. I need to experience that he's with me. More important, I need to be where he is. you got to make a choice today. But I want to suggest to you that that's not enough. There's a lot of us who want to grow spiritually. That's a choice we've made. I want to grow spiritually. But here's the second thing that we see in this verse. Spiritual growth is a commitment that we make. We've got to make a commitment to it. Jesus says in that verse in John chapter 12, you must, must come and follow me. You got to want it, but you also have to make a commitment to it. You got to take action. You would agree with me, that's true really in every single area of our life. I want to tell you this morning, we grow by making commitments. We grow in our commitment to marriage. We grow in our commitment to children. We grow in our commitment to our jobs. I could go on and on and on. I would sum it up by saying this. No commitment, no growth. You can grow old and not grow up. No commitment, no growth. Your commitments, what you're committed to, really defines your life. We use this a lot. It's so very, very true. You might want to get in better shape. As a matter of fact, I think I'd be safe to say that everybody in here wants to be in better shape. Wants to be healthier. But unless you make a commitment to eating better and to working out, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you never will. About this thing of commitment, you would agree with me as well, wouldn't you? You can't make a commitment to everything. You've got to pick and choose your commitments. You've got to make a priority list. This is what's most important to me. And my suggestion to you this morning is that your growth that your commitment to spiritual growth should be priority number one because your spiritual growth impacts every single other area of your life. Your spiritual growth, your growing in your, in your experience of God's involvement in your life, in your understanding of His love and grace, your, your growth in that impacts your marriage. It impacts your parenting. 
It impacts your career. It impacts your finances. It impacts your relationships with friends. It impacts your relationships with enemies. It impacts every single area of your life. And so our commitment to, dis- to being a disciple, to following Jesus, to spiritual growth, ought to be the number one priority in our life. And when we're a disciple and a follower of Jesus, it means that we are going to be with him. Not 15 minutes in the morning, every morning, and an hour on Sunday morning. All of the time, we can experience being with Jesus and all that that implies in our life. It's interesting to me that as we make this commitment to Jesus... And he, he involves himself in our lives and he begins to train us and begins to mentor us and begins to reveal his truth to us. That this commitment that we have begins to grow. It begins to get deeper and deeper and deeper. I see this in, in, in his teaching, in his earthly ministry. I see this in his relationships with other people as he begins to, to develop them as disciples. And I went back and went through the Gospels this past week and I saw this evolution, if you will, of the commitments that he called people to make to him. As with Matthew in Matthew chapter 9, he, it was just a simple, come follow me. Sometimes his invitation was as simple as, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. If you're tired, come to me and I will give you rest. He says, I am the life. Anyone who comes to me will have life. He says, come to me for understanding. And as people begin to follow, the commitment he calls us to gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And he begins saying things like this to his followers. Come to me and deny yourself. Come to me and take up your cross. He even says, you can't be my disciple unless you give everything else up. I've got to be the priority. If you were honest and you took a piece of paper and a pencil and you said, I am going to list, based on my life and my experience this last week or this last month or this last year, these are my priorities in the area of commitments. This is what I'm committed to. One, two, three, four. Where would being a follower of Jesus fall in your list? Would it be on your list? Jesus wants his best for you, beginning right now. In order for us to experience that, we got to be where he is. It's a choice, and it's a commitment that we make. And very quickly, a third thing I see in this verse is spiritual growth is a relationship. Listen to me, because we really, really, really get confused here. Spiritual growth is not about rules. It's not about rituals. It's not a certain formula that you follow. It's about being with Jesus. Jesus said in that John 12 verse, 
My servants are where I am. We've got to learn that we have the King of Kings, the creator of the universe, Messiah. We are with him. That makes him a resource, if you will, to us. That we can talk to him. We can interact with him. We can be led by him. And we've got to learn to talk to him all of the time. Experiencing his presence. Interacting with him. It's, it's beyond just knowing that he's there. As great an impact as that can have on our life. But how many of us can say that that we are continually interacting with the God who we are with. You know, you can even talk to God when you're talking to somebody else. I do it all the time. Someone's talking to me and I'm going, God, what do I say? I don't know what to say. Help me with this. God, what is your truth? God, what is your answer? What counsel should I give? We, we need to learn to talk to him. We're with him. We should talk to him. And we need to learn to listen. <laughs> it's a part of the growing process. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Now, we'll talk a lot more about that in the weeks ahead. Hearing God's voice and how it impacts our lives. It's part of the growing process. You learn in your, in your training to hear his voice just like Ellen and Kelly did, just like Michael did, just like Pastor Jim did. The words that Pastor Jim, Pastor William shared with this full auditorium on Thursday afternoon, that wasn't their words, that wasn't their own creativity. They had this, this opportunity to hear from God and then share with others what God had shared with them. The more time you spend with God, the more you're going to grow. Jesus said, I've got to spend time with him if I want to be his disciple. Look, we're going to stop. Um, we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about Jesus' statements, if you want to be my disciple then. But this is a good place to stop today. If I want to be his disciple, I need to be with him. It's a little bit of a tough week this week. I had all of the normal stuff, you know, the meetings and the appointments and getting Will to school and getting Will home and homework and, you know, a, a lot of the normal stuff. But there was a lot of really challenges this week. There was some pain this week. There was some confusion this week. You know exactly what I'm talking about. All of y'all experienced pretty much the same thing. You had the routine and then you had the unexpected. There was some incredible joy this week. There was some victory and triumph this week. And in the experience of this week, 
I do my best, did my best, to be with Jesus in the midst of that week, in the midst of the routine, in the midst of the defeat and misunderstanding, in the midst of the joy and triumph. And acknowledging that I am with him allows me to open my ears to hear him and allow him to reveal truth to me in regard to what my experience is. Allow him to disciple me. Allow him to mentor me. I have a bad habit of going to other people for counsel. That's an extremely valuable thing in my life. As long as I go to him first. As long as I get his counsel first. His direction first. His explanation of the situation first. His truth first. That's the filter I use when I sit down with Pastor Jim and say, Pastor Jim, I'm not sure what to do about this situation. That's the filter I use when I go to Ward and say, Ward, I, how, do you, how do you handle this passage of Scripture? What do you do with that? I've got to grow in my experience of being with Jesus and allowing Him to mentor me, train me, disciple me, grow me. That's the priority. And so this week, in the midst of confusion, I was able to gain understanding by simply asking the one I was with, what does this mean? How do you explain the homegoing of a 12-year-old? How do you explain that? I turn to Jesus and I say, Jesus, help me understand. Explain it to me. There's some things He wants me to know. There's some things that He don't want me to know. If He wants me to know, He'll share that with me. This is the beginning of you experiencing God's best for you beginning today. You believe God loves you. You believe God knows you. You believe that He wants to direct you. You believe that He wants His best for you. So why don't we make a priority of following Him? Why don't we make a priority of being His disciple? I want to invite you to stand. Hey, folks, look. You've heard this before, haven't you? And yet, today, it can impact your life and your family and our church and our community in a way that it never has before. How? Well, first, we make a choice. I want to follow Jesus. Second, we make a commitment to that. Whatever it takes. I'm going to continue to worship on Sunday morning. I'm going to continue to spend time with Him each morning that I wake up and kind of give Him myself. But I want to go well beyond that. I'm making a commitment to be with Him. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you need to be where I am. And I'm making a commitment today, right now, 
I'm making a commitment to God in the presence of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm making a commitment. I'm going to be with him. I'm going to grow in this experience of acknowledging his presence in my life. When I'm on the mountaintop, when I'm in the valley, I'm with him. It'll crazily, absurdly, radically change your life. And so, Lord Jesus, standing here in front of you are 300 people who, if they would choose and commit to being with you, can have an experience in these coming days that they've never, ever had in their entire lives. I know that there are some who can really relate to this because that's the way they live. But I also know that a new and fresh choice and commitment will will bring into their lives an even more fulfilling experience. And I'm asking that of you for everyone in this room. Lord, give us boldness. May we hear your voice. Would you call us to this choice and to this commitment? I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to follow him. Have your will and way in every heart and life. I pray in your name. Amen. Guys, lead us in a time of worship.